Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today's episode is with the amazing Natalie Lennon. So anyone who isn't aware of Natalie, Natalie was on the podcast before in episode 39. So it's like August, October 2019, I think it was. But Natalie is one of the nicest people I've had the pleasure to chat with and one of the nicest people in the industry. And this is one of those episodes that really, really struck a chord, I think, with the two of us. We were chatting off air afterwards and we are like, that just felt like just a natural chat and just felt like things had built up and just wanted to get stuff off the chest. And I, I had qu- I'd written questions before the episode and none of them were, none of them came up. It was one of those that just kind of free flowed and I just kind of felt a bit more chill. And they're the type of podcast that things kind of little nuggets and stuff kind of drop. And that seems to have what happened for this episode. So this episode is very raw and honest with Natalie's journey and she goes into her whole story she talks about kind of listening to your body that your body's not an ornament that some fitness statements can be more harmful than good and that we've both changed our perspective in what our content was the very first start when we first started to where it is now that's more in line with what we want to not fear fats to the kind of lessons that have been learned over the last little while and we've also kind of spoke about that skinny is not always healthy and skinny is not always better not listening to the voices and how to kind of challenge the voices that kind of come in and the self-criticism and catching yourself out when you are doing them and i think it's an incredible episode and i'm going to listen back to this again and again because there's so many nuggets that natalie has dropped in this so i hope you guys enjoy the episode with natalie lennon natalie how are we I'm good, Shane. Thank you so much for having me back on today. A long time no chat. I think the last time I was looking there was like episode 39. So it was like August 2019, I think. Crazy. Like so long ago, but doesn't seem like that long ago. I feel like we've both come so far since that time. I, I think so mentally and, and physically. I think we've learned a lot of stuff on not what to do ourselves. Because I think we were talking off air about that as well. Absolutely. You um you learn from your mistakes and your message becomes one that's made from your mistakes. You know, that's yeah, big time. So I know I gave a brief intro at the beginning, but I'm going to let you. It's very uh, easy for me to kind of give a brief synopsis, but I'm going to let you talk a little bit about your your background and kind of the relationship and stuff like that with the food, the fitness industry as a whole, because I think that's literally what, what is a massive part of, of yourself on your journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a qualified personal trainer and health and nutritional coach. When I started off in this world, it was just PT, train, track your calories, track your macros. Um, now, I really enjoyed, I suppose, my first few months getting into fitness and food and learning more. But then, like what happens to a lot of people, you decide you want to build your business off this passion. Um, I studied earth science in college in Trinity. And then when I finished that, realized I'd go the fitness route. So um, got into that that I try build a business out of it but my own relationship with food and fitness became very disordered and very damaging along the way and um, so we can dive into a lot of that but um, like I'd done a bikini show done a photo shoot tried to hide everything that was going on from social media and eventually I suppose came clean about it because it was so visually evident that I wasn't okay because I lost so much weight I went down to like below 42 kg and lost my cycle everything that goes with that that social media just doesn't talk about right now 
um, although it's becoming a better space for highlighting these issues and your page in particular is amazing for highlighting these issues. But I suppose since all of that has happened, I have learned and become a different coach because of it. I've realized that like nutrition and, and like health coaching is probably more important than teaching someone how to squat and deadlift because they're not necessarily going to do that for the rest of their life, but they are going to have a relationship with food, fitness and their body for the rest of their life. Um, so that has been key to like switching up my business and my content. It may not be as sensationalized as it used to be, but I focus now on helping people develop a sustainable and healthy relationship with food, with fitness, with their body. Um, and I'm really enjoying doing that. I'm really enjoying the switch in my content and how I'm living nowadays. It's just so hard. It's, it's, it's like impossible for me to believe how I used to live and how I used to treat food and fitness. I'm like, how did I ever live within that jail cell in my own mind? And here I am actually living and loving it. And it's so upsetting to see so many girls living the opposite still. So I think both of us are out to try and, um, you know, debunk all those myths and help people by sharing our messages. So that's a quick synopsis of what it is I do. And I suppose I should say in all of that, I was doing everything on social media tracking my journey, putting up my pictures, and then my Instagram account grew kind of because of my progress and my body. And I've been trying to switch it now so that my body isn't my kind of ornament on Instagram. It's my instrument to help people. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And that was one of the questions that I had in relation from the shift to seeing it as a as a body rather and seeing it as a person rather than seeing it as an ornament. And I think have you noticed that the people who are following you have, or the interactions and all that kind of thing have changed since you changed tack with yourself, really? Majorly, majorly, Shane. And it's a difficult one because like on Instagram, it's become a business for me as well. You know, I'm working with brands from time to time, which I absolutely love. And I'm so lucky to have that connection. Um, but when my Instagram was growing from a place of people who track their calories, people who want to be disordered, people who are obsessive, people who overtrain, you can surround your social media self with people who do that so that you are convinced it's an okay thing to do. And that is definitely what I used to do. And the followers that I had, I believe that's what they were doing. You know, if you obsessively count your calories and you have family coming at you telling you that you need to just chill a little bit or, you know, move a little bit less, you're like, screw this. I got my social media crew and they all do it too. And we're all happy here in the cloud. But like the cloud isn't real life, you know, come back down to earth. How are you really feeling? Um, so my interactions, engagement, likes, comments, definitely were more in the past and it's like I'm okay with that because I've made the disconnection between like my body being my worth and my only business tool I'm realizing like you know getting likes on Instagram has nothing to do with happiness and being successful and having a good business it's absolutely nothing to do with that you get more as a person knowing that you're helping people and now I feel like I know I'm helping people the right way. I'm sharing a sustainable message and I'm real and open. When I have down days, I'll tell people. When I can't do the online classes, I'll come on, I'll cry on my stories <laughs> like I did a few days ago. And, you know, we'll just keep it all very sustainable. And the message of listening to your body is key. Is that as sensationalized, as attractive, as sexy on Instagram? 
Absolutely not. So I built a following of people that wanted to hear that. So I'm pretty sure a lot of them have left me now and continue to, but I'm gaining this new audience who are, who've made all the same mistakes. Like I get all these messages from so many girls who relate and they're wondering how to fix it and guys who relate and they're wondering how to fix it. And I'm also growing more from an Irish perspective, Shane, which is great because when I first saw my page starting to grow. I might've mentioned this on our last podcast together. It was because Kayla, it seems she's Australian. I was doing her guides, shared my before and after. So like a few years ago, I only had a 16% Irish following, which was very little when you look at like a 50,000 following and only 16% are Irish. Um, But now it's getting up near the 40% bracket, which is great to see that I'm gaining followers where I know I can help them more. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the engagement side of things. It's definitely changing, but I really, I try my best not to care if something doesn't like perform well on Instagram because I see all the comments of the people that that message has helped. And like, that's all that matters. I could have posted a picture half naked and got lots of different sort of comments. People saying, hon, you know, looking stone, but like, who's that really helping? No one. So yeah. <laughs> that's interesting because i think that is a massive shift for i think a lot of people as well like living by what you want to do living by your values and not like there's nothing wrong with people putting up pictures of glutes or anything like that that's that's what they want and that's 100 percent uh up to them i for myself i don't personally want to do be that person that puts up topless photos all that kind of stuff i just it just doesn't sit with me i rarely go on camera anymore yeah um i just feel more comfortable behind a microphone or in written form it's i just suits me a little bit better and i I feel more comfortable doing it that way so it's interesting that you've had that shift as well one of the things you kind of there mentioned about kind of like the like rent fitness and kind of like the fitness statements there are so many of them that are quite harmful uh to how people look and value themselves and how they make people feel you did a post kind of like back in January and kind of like some of the fitness statements are more hurtful. Is there one or two of those that kind of like just get you annoyed more than others? Oh God, like there's so many that, that really annoy me. But like, I guess there's so many that are like just literally the simple one that is like never stop, like never stop grinding, ne- never stop, keep pushing, keep going. Keep, like unless you, what is it? Unless you like, Hugh, faint or die, you haven't tried hard enough. Like, yeah. no. Um, that is what leads to burnout and the feeling that we are not enough because we see someone who posts a picture saying, never stop grinding, you know, only went to bed at 2 a.m. Here I am back up at 6 to my faster cardio, guys. Keep pushing if you want to reach your goals. Like, that is just so damaging because um, then people think that they're not doing enough and they take a few days off or they just lie in bed for the day. You're allowed to do that from time to time. So I guess any fitness thing that comes down to the idea that you're not allowed to rest or take a break and continue to better yourself, that you're like this idea is put out there that you're never okay as you are. You must train harder. You must push more. Like you must continue to move up the career ladder everything like I think we just need to realize that some people are happy where they are and that's okay if you found a training style that you like a kind of diet that you enjoy and you're happy where you are in your career nothing needs to change just keep doing you um yeah 
I think that I get, I think it, so many people when they do start or not so many people, some people can when they start a fitness journey is that they do it because it's what society is telling them to do. Yeah. And not realistically. And then they kind of hit a wall and they got a little bit frustrated. They kind of can potentially put on a little bit more weight or get a little bit lost in what they're doing. I think you have to go down that route in order to figure out what you want to do really. I think both of us had, we were talking off air about that. Yeah. And it's really difficult to get that message across to people before they make the mistake themselves. Like as, much as we really try and say, you know, you should start, if you're trying to, you know, get a bit fitter and improve your diet, you should start by just like maybe looking at a food diary, trying to get protein in every meal. Are you having three meals a day? Um, You know, how many steps do you do? Something that simple rather than going, okay, we're going to throw you straight into an extreme caloric deficit, tracking macros and calories. And this is the exact same breakfast, lunch and dinner you're going to have every day if you are actually going to have three meals a day. Um, and do you know what something just came into my mind there as well when you were asking me about the sayings that I didn't touch on the idea that skinny is always better is obviously one that's put in a lot of these sayings and that lean is always better and um, you know like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels that one just like my stomach drops every time I read it or I hear it or you know like all these uh, slimming clubs <laughs> not to name any like just so damaging um but like you said you do have to make the mistake as a coach I think to be the the best guidance you can be to your clients or to your following to help them get out of that place experience is kind of the greatest um going through that mess is the greatest experience of all so it's a difficult I think I think it's also weird to, like we were talking off air about kind of like identity and training and that that like if you're a bodybuilder that's how you're going to train all your clients like John and Mary down the road who literally want to lose a few pounds to go on holidays when you can go on holidays uh, which I hope, hopefully is soon um, but I think as PTs as coaches we also get attached to an identity saying that we're I don't know maybe the bodybuilding coach or the hit coach or whatever it may be and I think it's important that it's very hard for us to come across sometimes and say, oh, you guys, the PT, wouldn't understand. PTs, from from working with a lot of PTs and had coaches before, and from being very grateful for everyone that's come on the podcast, everyone's had their own little journey. Um, and I think people sometimes feel that people who work in the fitness industry aren't human. Almost, and this isn't like a, this isn't trying to go down a sympathy card or anything like that. But I think some sometimes like, oh, but this is your life, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not really our life. Like I only train four days a week. That sometimes that that could be huge to some people. But I started off training seven and I burnt myself out. So I've had to do the stupid stuff to get to find the balance that works for me. And balance for someone else could be going for three or four walks a week. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well when people say, but you know, but fitness is your life. You're you're a PT. It's probably because when personal trainers start off and social media is obviously so prominent nowadays, they, it is actually their life. You know, it was our life. You know, we'd done the shoots, we'd done the dieting. It, it literally was our whole entire yeah. life. And it was only from doing that we realized that it shouldn't be our whole entire life. So I think people are led to believe that it, it is your whole life forever because they see so many PTs who portray this or like on social media, 
oh, your personal trainer on social media. It's like all you can post about is your workouts and your your meals and post the calories. Like you're not supposed to show that you live a life as well or that you go out and you have a few drinks. Um, but yeah, like that, it's it's just trying to get the message out there that it's all about balance and fitness needs to be a part of your life, but not your whole life. Food needs to be a part of your life, but not your whole life. So many people seem to let food take up everything that's going on in their brain 24 seven, you go to bed thinking, am I going to hit my calories and macros tomorrow? Do I have my meals prepped? What am I going to have for breakfast? When you finish one meal, you're thinking about the next. And I definitely know in the past when I would speak to PTs who were going through this path that were talking about where fitness was at that stage their whole life, we would joke about how you would never stop thinking about food. We would joke about how like, yeah, I do that too. You know, the second I finish breakfast and think about what I'm going to have for lunch. And we joke about that, which I understand, but it actually should never be that way. Like food should just come and go. Like once you have a meal and you're full, that's it. You should forget about it and you should enjoy life again. You know, once you do your workout and you enjoy it, that's it. You should forget about it. You should enjoy life again. But so many people and clients I've worked with, it's literally taking over their brain because they're led to believe that if you want to be successful and sexy and grinding, it needs to be your everything. Um, but I think there's there's far more like there's far more to say for someone who has found a balance. I think balance is far more attractive than extremes. Um, but I do think extremes are easy and balance is difficult. So to go the extreme route is easier, but it's just so damaging to your mental health. Yeah, and I think I think that's one kind of like I was saying that I use all the time that extremes are so easy just to kind of latch onto and like I've been there from the whole thing of oh when's my next meal what is my next meal what is my next meal and you're just like hang on you're not really hungry you're just kind of like you're either really really tired from working all the hours under the sun there's something off with your senses or you're just really knackered and you're just body looking for a little bit more fuel. And you're better off trying to kind of take a step back and say to yourself, hang on, can I live like this in 10, 15 years? And more often than not, most people will answer that no. No, exactly. And I know I mentioned to you before this about like the TikTok I put up. So like, I'm not a TikToker, but I've I've gone down this TikTok hole the last few days. And I believed, I got this moment yesterday where I was like, I am a TikToker. <laughs> so I put up a a video pretending I was going to do this food diary that was like 1300 calories a day fat loss edition because they were popping up on my for you page and the amount of women now commenting I obviously jumped on afterwards and said that that's the wrong thing to do it's very dangerous it's not sustainable to have the nutritional requirements of a three or four year old when you are a growing woman who needs to be fertile and have a cycle and everyone is like bosh what do I do because I eat this amount or some people are like, well, I'm losing weight on 1300 calories. Some people are like, well, I'm not. So should I go lower? And you're like, well, what are you going to do in 10 years time? Like, how are you going to live your life in 10 years time? If you are a victim to an app and a calculator, which is not like it's mechanical. It doesn't take emotions into account. It doesn't take in like mind, body and spirit, which is what you are. You are not a robot. So why would you listen to one? And especially on these calculators, we put in a weight that we want to reach and like we are going to be stupid from time to time and say, well, I want to lose 10 kilos in four weeks because I have a holiday. And then 
naturally the calculator will say, well, this is exactly what you need to lose each week. So you need to eat this level of food, which is just so unhealthy because they don't think long term. And like the way you said there, what are you going to do in 10 or 15 years? That's exactly the question I asked myself when I was like, right, Nat, it's time to get your shit together and heal because the way you're living, you can't keep going on like this or you will, something bad's going to happen. Whether you do something bad to yourself or, well, either way, it was going for me doing something bad to myself um, because I was the one that was doing all these damaging actions. Um, and I just, I remember I woke up one morning, it was like July, uh, maybe it was June 2017. I looked in the mirror and I was like, it's time to start building sustainable, healthy habits. Switch your message, you know, stop tracking calories and macros, gain some weight, stop letting food and fitness be your mind 24 seven. But like saying that is one thing and doing it is another when you've already gone down the road of letting it take over your brain and that's where I know I'm kind of going on a bit of a spiel here now Shane and diving Tangents are brilliant go away keep going <laughs> um that's where it's when people start tracking and using my fitness pal or doing something really intense or saying look I'm just going to do this one photo shoot it's going to be great I'm going to show the pictures to my grandkids and it's going to be all glitzy I worked really hard once upon a time you don't realize how that will actually affect you until you're at the end of the road and you've gone the journey. Like I thought I would compete and I'd look awesome and then I would be finished with it and I'd be fine and say, yeah, I've done this once upon a time. I thought I was mentally strong, um, but I was, I'm, I'm a type A personality and everything needs to be perfect. And once I start ticking boxes, I don't know how to untick those boxes, if you know what I mean. So when I woke up that morning and I, I took the photo and I said, right, it's time to change. It wasn't as simple as Let's go down and just have whatever I want for breakfast. Let's not train today. There was voices in my head telling me I didn't want to train. I wanted to have a different breakfast. I didn't want to fill my oats with more courgette than I did oats. But I just kept doing all these things because I was way too scared to do anything different. And these voices in my head were like, no, you need to run again, even though you don't wait for an hour and a half this morning. No, you shouldn't eat before you go to bed. Um, no, you shouldn't, you know, wake up and eat first thing. You need to try and fast until midday. You have to do this. You have to do this. And in my, I, I knew that was not the right thing to do, but I couldn't, I couldn't win for some time. I let the voices win. And that was like the struggle in, I'm sure people are kind of connecting the dots being like, well, that sounds like an eating disorder. Um, and that's where like, I went to a dietitian. I was a professional. I was a personal trainer. I wasn't qualified as a nutritional coach then. But like professionals also need help and it's okay to talk about that and admit that. So I went to a dietitian and it was, it's been a very, very long, hard journey. Um, she basically told me, yeah, like she was talking about these ED thoughts. And I was like, like I won't curse, but the frick is an ED thought. What are you on about? I don't have an ED. <laughs> I was like, I don't have an ED. Like I, I know I'm eating at least 2000 calories a day. Um, Actually, I think I was, no, I would have been having at least 2,300 calories a day. And um, 2,000 would have been like in the first few weeks after my shoot. And then you know how you build things up incrementally to a T, obsessively ticking every box, even if it was increasing my calories. And I was like, but I'm having 2,300 calories every day. You know, I'm fine. Like, I mean, the odd weekend, I might binge at four in the morning because I woke up starving and had 12,000 
calories and oh okay right maybe that doesn't sound god maybe I do have an eating disorder and I'll never forget how I felt leaving her office the first day I cried and I cried and I cried because I finally admitted to myself I suppose how much damage I had done and I was so upset that someone who was what I thought so strong could fall to so many pieces and not tell anyone and I was like how are people going to understand this how is my family going to understand this people were getting frustrated with me for eating certain ways and moving in certain ways but I don't think those people close to me could understand that I literally couldn't stop and once I suppose the dietitian brought the the term ED eating disorder into the conversation I got a lot more driven to try and fight it because before that I thought it was just anxiety and obsessiveness and that type of personality but I think that's where I was kind of like what eating disorder do I have you know it's not bulimia it's not anorexia I'm not doing that every single day like I am eating loads I just I can't stop training I keep on moving and I can only eat the very same type of foods because I'm afraid to eat anything else and I can't go above 2300 calories and I don't have a menstrual cycle and um, so there's no name on this eating disorder. That that's where people are, like this has become something that is sensationalized in the fitness industry and the diet industry, not the wellness industry. Um, and I feel like it needs another name. It's not orthorexia. That's an obsession with eating healthy because I would go and I'd have my whatever it was, you know, Quest Bar or something at the time or something that was processed. But it would be a certain food that I knew was safe, and I was a safe. It wasn't a fear food. Um, so that's where eventually when I was ready to come onto Instagram and use the term eating disorder, I think it was like world mental health day one October. And I was like, did I have an eating disorder? Um, yeah. Can I tell you what it was? No, because it's what probably millions of guys and girls in the fit fitness industry actually have right now. No one's calling it an eating disorder because you're literally just absolutely obsessed to a T with calories and your same meals. You're absolutely obsessed to a T with your training schedule and never missing a session, no matter how shit you feel. And you're possibly going and binging every couple of weeks because you've lived in such restriction. Not that you're necessarily going and purging to get rid of it, but you're binging. And this is something that people do not speak about that is sensationalized. Like we joke about the binge. Like I remember going into the gym, Stephen's day just passed and guys being like, nah, I need to do an extra two hours of cardio today because I ate so much yesterday. Um, as in like saying what they ate and I'm like, whoa, okay, like Christmas day is one thing, but like that, like, you know, three tins of roses, that's because you've been so restrictive that's disordered. That's probably an eating disorder. I'm never going to say any of this, but I'm like, I've gone this road. You need to get out of it. How do we get this message out there? Um, so yeah, that's my spiel, I suppose, trying to get across to listeners. Like if you feel like you are the one with these habits, or maybe your friend is the one with these habits, don't be hard on yourself or don't be hard on them. Don't be angry at them and be like, would you just eat the donut? Because that isn't going to work either because there's voices in their head and they want to win. And if you be pushy about something like that, or if you're pushy with yourself about something like that, you're only going to retaliate and go backwards. And on that journey of healing from like food obsession, fitness obsession, which I want to keep on saying is just sensationalized like it's normal when it's not, um, the voices will try to win you back. And they try to win me back. Um, numerous occasions and even 
Shane, I probably haven't said this much. I kind of touched on it in, on a post on Instagram, but not really, because I'm not really in the space where I was like quite sure I was over it. But like even in the first lockdown, you're back. Like I was back in the environment where I was sick, if that makes sense. Now I'm using the term sick being like when I was being very, very controlling with my food, I was, um, I was at home. I was tracking every single day. I was able to have the same meals every single day. And I was able to go for my runs and do my exercise when no one was watching. I wasn't in a gym. So no one knew how hard I was really pushing half the time. And here I was back in this environment where I couldn't control anything going on in the world. If people could see my hands right now, they're doing crazy things. <laughs> where I couldn't control anything that was going on in the world or my life or my career. So I would just control the controllables. And that became food and fitness again in the first lockdown. And as much as I was like able to get a takeaway and I was able to do this and that, and although I had an injury, I found every way possible to just kind of move a little bit more or try fast or, you know, have the effort of buying anything different when I'm shopping. I'll just keep having the same breakfast and the same lunch and the same dinner every single day. I'll just walk more because there's nothing else to do with our days. And then I kind of realized, oh, shit, 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 Nat. You've lost weight again. You're gone really lean. Like, fuck, <laughs> get your act back together. So that was like just a few months where I was like, oh my God, got in touch with the dietitian. I was like, what's happening? She's like, don't panic. No one, barely anyone comes out of this journey smooth sailing once. The voices will try winning back a few times. And the main thing is you can see that and you can stop it. And like I did straight away. But it's only because of probably my road and the experience and the path I've traveled that I was able to see it. But like even just that, those few months and getting really lean, like if you go back and look at my pictures from the first lockdown, I was after getting really lean again. Not healthy for a woman. So many people starting to comment the same shit all over again about how amazing you look and how lean you look and what's your diet. And I was like, I'm actually going back the opposite way because this isn't the way I want it to go. Um, it's, it's just so damn bizarre how disordered the fitness industry and the diet industry has become and the damage it's doing to people without them realizing until you try to come out of it. And it's so damn difficult. It's interesting you mentioned the voices. The voices are something that I try to work with on my clients, like in relation to like challenging the thoughts because we've, so many of us have done so many like reps in the negative. So I'll bring it back to a fitness analogy, like reps yeah. in the negative that over time, the muscle started to, the muscle, which is the brain has started to believe it. And then it's like become the truth. And it's kind of like, well, is this a fact or an opinion? Is this something that you've created or is this something that's a fact? Like there's only two facts in this world is that we come into this world and we leave this world. There's two facts. Everything else is either created or else it's something that's been said to us that that person's never, ever going to think about again. But for whatever reason, we have latched onto what they have said. It's irritated us. It's either triggered our ego. It's either triggered our self-esteem or it's triggered something. And it's about recognizing those triggers like you have. And thank you for sharing that, by the way, because I know, as you said, that wasn't plans. <laughs> but they're the best chats. But like that, yeah, like I don't mind talking about, it, talking about it at the same time. I guess I just haven't had the opportunity to. And now that we're like, you know, we're into nearly a year later of lockdown, I know I'm so far out of it. Like I have just let down so many walls over the last few weeks. The second I feel hungry, I'll eat whatever it is I want. And even even like my parents, because I'm back with my parents now for lockdown, would be like, did you like, where are the scones gone? Like, do you know, 
you had the last slice of freaking fruitcake. I'm like, yeah, sorry, I got up hungry last night. You know, I had the last chocolate. And they're like, what? <laughs> but I'm like, it's, it's just letting down these walls. Um, and life is so much more fun that way. And listen, I'm delighted to talk about it. I will eventually. I wanted to do a big post on Instagram about it. I just haven't got the time. But I know with that, um, I actually read a statistic the other day, like eating disorders, was it like 66% of hospitalizations due to eating disorders? That was like the increment of people admitted during lockdown because like that, people were just back in the environment where they became ill or harmed. And I think the same thing goes for any sort of, even just slightly disordered eating, like the environment that you may have become like harmed in probably was social media for a lot of people. And then during lockdown, everyone who's anyone with any type of interest in fitness became someone who's doing lives or now focusing on their diet or focusing on more steps. It's, it's like no one had anything to focus on. So I feel like over the last few months, it's become the topic of conversation for so many people um, where they're either working on their lockdown body or they're complaining about how much weight they've gained during lockdown and just being really damn hard on themselves as if our body is the only, it like literally is your only ornament. And that's all that matters, that you're trying to be a shiny ornament on a pedestal and you're not. It's a miracle you're even here, that the world is even in existence. You are literally just millions of cells brought together. The last thing you need to be worried about is trying to find a six pack right now. So, you know, just enjoy the time that you have here. And yes, maximize it by, you know, educating yourself on the correct nutrition that you need to, to live a long, healthy life. You know, get your omega-3s, have your vegetables, drink enough water, but have your take away the odd time too and let the hair down and have a few drinks and don't worry about it. But like we said, it goes back in that circle of extremes being easy and balance being hard. Extremes both ways, Shane, not just extreme like overtraining and under eating or obsessively eating, but extreme the other way too, like people binging and, you know, obesity and not training at all um, is obviously an easier option than trying to find balance too. You mentioned the word binging because I think... It can be thrown around the word. I think it's, I don't think it's understood from a lot of people. And like, if, if someone's, and like this, I have to be so careful what, how I phrase this. A binge is subjective in that if you're feeling guilt and emotion behind after it, but then that's a binge. But if it's something like, if it's like, oh, I just ate all the Terry's chocolate orange and you like, you can move on, that's not really a binge. That's just like, you just had a lot of chocolate. Uh, yeah. But if there's an emotion behind it, and a sentiment of regret or a sentiment of hatred's a wrong word, but you know what I'm trying to say towards yourself afterwards, then that's more classified as a binge. And I think that is the the difference because people are like, they're too quick to throw that word out when they have had a so-called episode or whatever it may be. But it has to be, if you're having that whole thing of emotion behind it, well, then that's sometimes potentially an option to go and talk to someone. Yeah, like I think we've, we've forgotten to like let people know that like emotional eating is a thing and it is okay. You know, we if all you do it. Yeah, that's, that's not a binge. Emotional eating is not a binge or like that just in one sitting eating too much because you were carried away watching Bridgerton or you were you know, had a few too many drinks and you were sitting in Babylon there across from Copperface Jacks or whatever it is. Like that's, that's not a binge because you'll wake up the next day and you'll be like, you might say, ah, sugar lads, didn't mean to do that. But 
you'll move on. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad you clarified that for people listening because, yeah, binge, that term is definitely thrown around too much. And if you feel guilt afterwards, like you've done something wrong and like you need to go and undo damage in some way um, or like you are less of a human because of the fact that you have just eaten a little bit more food, then there's there's something wrong and it's time to look at that relationship. I think it is the word, the H word that you use there, the human word has to be brought into everything that we do. Like there's only one of us and we have to treat ourselves in a way that benefits us. Um, and I think it's sometimes that can involve a little bit of selfishness in a good way as well. I think sometimes people don't like people don't like change people don't like people changing either in that if you look at my say circle of friends from say five years ago it's not the same circle of friends now it's completely different i think that sometimes may have to be done as well and curate your feed on social media don't be afraid to like not saying go and block everyone on social media when you're kind of listening to this but there's no harm in muting them if they're triggering for you mute them because they'll never know yeah, I have so many people muted on my Instagram and I support them all. I just can't deal with looking at it every day because it's just a little bit damaging for me. So from time to time, I'll pop back onto their page when I'm in a good headspace and support. But like you said, it's about being human at the end of the day. I'm realizing that you don't have to be perfect in any department ever. Just enjoy the time that we have here without comparing, without feeling guilty, without harming yourself in any way yeah uh, you mentioned there about kind of like the foods and certain elements of foods and certain foods and carbs is the one that gets on my back a lot but i think there's one about kind of a lot of people are fearful of fats yeah. and i think i don't think a lot of people girls in particular i don't think realize how important fats are for their body uh can you please put the record straight on this please fats are crucial like they're literally crucial they're essential so there is essential fatty acids out there people have heard that term they're like oh yeah essential fatty acids efas the word essential means something guys it's essential your body can't operate at full capacity without those fats there fat soluble vitamins you know vitamins and minerals are essential for your body to operate at max capacity so if you're having your fat soluble vitamins adek but you're not having fats to absorb them. But there's no point. Um, and women especially need fats for our hormones. And like, I'm not sure if you would go by this, Shane, but usually what I'd say is like at least 30% of a woman's diet should be fats, at least 30%. Um, I do think the type of fats is obviously important and women need to be more educated on that. Um, it's definitely the one thing with my clients as well. I, what I do is I get a food diary from a week before we start working together. Fats is one thing. I'm like, look, actually, you do have protein and you do have some carbs, but there's no healthy fats. I'm like, well, no. Why would I have fat? It makes me fat. Look at the word F-A-T. I'm like, oh my God. The second we bring them in, the second we bring them in, I'm like, just have a little bit. Even if it's what I say is like even two to three thumbfuls, like full thumbfuls in every single meal as a starting point, you will feel so much better straight away. And it's crazy how much better people feel. Um, when they start to bring in like, you know, extra virgin olive oil, rapeseed oil, avocado, salmon, omega-3s is one that I'm sure you know is just not understood as well because a lot of people don't enjoy fish. There's like, yeah. nah, never eat fish. A lot of people think they don't enjoy fish and they can never eat fish and then we tell them to try it and they actually do. But like omega-3s are so crucial, especially to help reduce inflammation in your body. 
and people are, like people are becoming afraid of salmon because they've heard it's a fatty fish I'm like that is needed um so that's one conversation that I have with a lot of people as well like look if you don't want to eat salmon fair enough but you do need to supplement omega-3s because they are so crucial um for your body to operate properly to reduce inflammation sixes and nines everyone's getting enough of those these days from processed oils that are added to almost everything sixes and nines cause inflammation in the body um we're supposed to have, I know I'm going off on a spiel here now, but I feel like it's very helpful for people. We're supposed to have a ratio of like one to four omega-3s to omega-6s and 9s in our body to have like a decent level of kind of um, inflammation and flammation. Is that a word? I think that's a word. <laughs> um, it's a word now. It's a word now. <laughs> but like our bodies, they have to react to training and certain things. Like that needs to happen. But... Um, What's going on a lot, and I suppose I learned this in my nutritional course and I never forgot it, is like in the developed world, a lot of diseases are being triggered and worsened because of the level of inflammation in people's body right now. And they're not bringing that down because they're not having any omega-3s. So we're talking about a ratio of one to four, omega-3s to omega-6s and 9s. And that is becoming one to 50 in some parts of America right now, typically like one to 20, one to 25. You can actually get it tested with some companies like the Eskimo men had that reversed and they had it omega threes to sixes and nines, four to one. Um, and they were, they were doing pretty damn good. So if people are listening to this wondering, well, where can they get omega threes? Really fatty fish is your main source, your salmon or mackerel say, because it's in the form of getting a bit complicated, what we call like EPA and DHA. Um, but if you have the vegan sources, which a lot of people I know are vegan and vegetarian, and I have no problem with that, um, they may just be a different source, which is ALA. And the conversion rate there, that can get converted into EPA and DHA, the ones that you really, 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 really need. Um, but the conversion rate might only be 5% or less. So it's really important that people have their omega-3s which are epa and dha sources or supplement them um yeah that's my spiel <laughs> no but i think but i think when, when people start out on like a weight loss journey the most common question i get is oh what's my perfect macro split and i'm just like well where's my hair going like it there's no answer <laughs> there's no there's no answer um well, i need more information but i like i don't really work off macros with my clients Nah, like unless someone's doing a shoot or someone's doing something like that i will go a little bit more detail for someone who's starting off on a journey try to get like if you don't want to count calories try to get three regular meals and a couple of snacks in if you are counting calories try to aim for a, a, a general range and try to work towards your protein target you don't have to count calories but also it's the food diary element uh, i think food diary element has definitely helped a lot of the girls that i work with on particular on a daily basis during lockdown and that I've got clients who've never tracked and have lost 20 kilos. Like it doesn't have to be done. That's amazing. Like it doesn't have to be done, but that's not a message that's put out there enough because it's, it's more work on behalf of the client to be fair, to keep a food diary and um, rather than being handed a meal plan. But if someone meal wants plans. to tell me about it, that's a, the whole other freaking kettle of fish. If someone oh. wants a sustainable way of living, they need to be able to make their own meal choices and develop their own meals and have variety there. So I try and get, and I'm sure you're the same, I try to get clients to kind of nearly formulate their own meal plan. But like if I see foods reoccurring too much in a food diary, I'm like, okay, we need to switch that up. We can't have that this week because you're becoming too 
um, Reliant. Be safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, meal plans are no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no. Meal plans, uh, no. Uh, please stay away. Um, and I think it's important that the only people that really should or can give out a meal plan is a dietitian. And yeah. I think if there are people out there who are giving them out, it's not going to educate you and you may lose weight in those six, eight week splits that you do with the, with the coach or the PT, but you're going to be back to where you were, if not a little bit worse feeling worse about yourself. I'm not even saying about a scales weight because I fucking hate the scales. I really just want to get all my clients to drive over it with a hammer or something. I don't know what to do something with this. Um, it irritates the life out of me. Um, one of the big things, the last question I'm going to ask you, Natalie, is in relation to the importance of the bones and stuff like that as a lady, because I know this is something you've worked a lot with the dietitian on. And I read the post that you put up, I think it was November, I think it was. And it, it hit me a lot because I remember doing my nutrition course and this was one of those things and actually made it understand it from my perspective that my mom was at that age and she had osteoporosis. And I was like, I never really understood what it was. I knew kind of what it was, but it hit home when you wrote, put up that post. Can you explain that from like a, a female perspective? Because I think a lot of people are doing damage to themselves now that they won't be able to reverse when they're a little bit older. Yeah, exactly. So um, basically, I suppose there's this phenomenon that's called the female athlete triad where people are under eating they're training a crazy amount and at the same time then they're losing their menstrual cycle and if you are not eating enough to fuel your training by a drastic amount and you're training really really hard like lots of cortisol um lots of cortisol being made in the body because as we know exercise is actually a stress as much as it may relieve mental stress it does call causes cortisol to raise in the body um we need to allow time for the body to rest. We need to fuel that exercise, especially with enough carbohydrates. Because um, if we don't, the likelihood of a woman losing her menstrual cycle is really, really high. And you don't need to fall to being underweight or really lean to lose your cycle. I know women who have been um, overweight, you know, technically deemed overweight on the BMI, and they've just lost weight very, very quickly. And they lost weight to maybe a much healthier level but still lost their cycle because they just lost weight way too quickly they were drastically under eating for those say 10 weeks and then once you have lost your cycle for at least three months you're basically diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea um mouthful and a half and that hey is just call it hey jay hey jay guys um so that's really dangerous and a lot of women see a lack of a cycle as being um something that is kind of handy sure I don't want to get pregnant anyway I'm an independent woman all that jazz like you know it was just a nuisance don't need it but you do because well number one it's a red flag that your body is not a safe place if you don't have your cycle and you're not able to have a baby fair enough you don't want to but your body is literally it's a red flag it's telling you that there's something so so wrong your hormones are going to be out of whack you're going to be feeling like dizzy you're probably going to get migraines you're going to have low energy you're going to be cold all the time you're going to be moody and irritable um, and your bone mass is probably going to fall and mine did so when I went to the dietitian the first time she had a scales you now I know there's loads of different um kind of 
body fat calculators and some really cheap ones out there but it wasn't a dex scan now at the time but it was quite a good tiny to scale like i think it was worth six or seven grand so i do believe it was a good one and it didn't give me like a, a t-score a z-score anything for my bones but my bone density had fallen um, and the first time i went it didn't did it get a reading i don't think we got a reading because my body fat was was so low and um, but it was definitely because it, a reading didn't come up the first time she was able to tell me am I right in saying that was that my body fat but I knew from the word go that my bone density had fallen and that would put me in a early risk bracket for osteopenia and um, so I then was working on things went back a few times to her stepping on the scales bone density obviously like going back to when I was talking about fighting those voices it's harder than we think um my bone density was hanging on low for a while, but then once I just rested, stopped pushing so hard, less cardio, less stress to the bones, and ate a lot more food, got my cycle back, um, my bones luckily jumped straight back up, and now I am, I'm not osteopenic. I may get osteoporosis when I'm like 55, 60. I got a DEXA scan done not too long ago, and that came back really positive, really strong. Because when I injured my hip back in October 2019, the first thing that came into my mind was, was I overdoing it? Is this a stress fracture? Because maybe my bone density has fallen again. Stress fracture was the first thing that came to mind. Um, and I've had so many women write to me telling me that they're devastated because they ignored the fact that they lost their cycle. And they continued to train like absolute Duracell bunnies and they just did not eat enough. And as a result, they now have osteoporosis at the age of 30. They now can't do anything it is they want to do. Um, and they're blaming themselves because of it. You should never blame yourself because, you know, there's all these messages out there that just cause you to believe you should do one thing. But it's so important to look after your bone health because I can tell you firsthand from close family members osteoporosis is absolutely horrible it is horrible and if you are 50 55 years old and you get compression fractures in your spine trust me you will regret what you're doing right now if you're ignoring the fact that you don't have your cycle and um, because you'll be unable to walk for weeks you'll be unable to maybe walk properly again and um, so I can't highlight enough how important bone health is and it's never discussed it's like it's not sexy enough like we need to stop just talking about being lean because if you're lean you're likely under fat and if you're under fat you're likely going to lose your cycle and if you lose your cycle you're going to be at a greater risk of developing osteoporosis and after the age of 30 roughly for women we can't build back bone mass so luckily like I'm 27 in those few years I was able to build back bone mass fairly quickly once I hopped on and um, so yeah that's that story. And that's a hugely important message. I think from there was a couple of DMs over the weekend about the HA and that they'd worked with kind of coaches before and they're like, oh, I never really like I was paying people for the service, but I never really kind of like applied myself to get my cycle back. And I was like, well, that's kind of counterintuitive. Like you're spending a lot of money and they were named with the coaches and kind of roughly know what they're they're charging. It's kind of like you're paying a lot of money not to throw your health as the first met metric there. Yeah, so true. And I think you need to think that like you may be lean today 
And amazing if you are and you're happy and all, everything's functioning. But that's not what this is aimed at. This is aimed at someone who is potentially lean, has no cycle and is lost and can't get out of that rabbit hole. That is unfortunately what happens to a lot of people, a lot of girls, a lot of lads as well. Um, and even if like for women, if you lose one cycle or like, you know, your cycle comes really late one time or something changes, it's only one day or two days long when it's usually five, that's your flag then that you need to maybe switch and do something different. Like stress is too high. Look at your lifestyle, what's going on. Don't wait until you miss three months of your cycle because once you are diagnosed with HA, it's not as simple as I'll just stop training, eat more and get it back in like a few weeks. That can take months, that can take years. Um, And it's different for everyone. So that's annoying because you get used to your body being lean and you nearly have to let it go completely the other way to get it back. And then you need to wait for at least three cycles to have in regular before you can go back to training the way you're used to it. Once you're diagnosed with it, shit, because it's very difficult to get it back and do what it is you think you love doing, but your health always needs to come first, your health. From from having worked with girls, I think the, the hardest part is the scales because that has been the dictator for so long. And when you see that number kind of creeping up and it's about, I don't think it's about kind of pulling the trigger immediately. It's potentially just about slowly, slowly incremental changes because if you go too hard with the calories too quickly, yeah, it's like going restriction mode. It's going the other extreme. It's about trying to find what you can, try to increase the, the fats a little bit more and then we can try and increase the carbs a little bit more and then a little bit like lifestyle changes. As you said, if something is irregular, kind of like, two or three or four days missing there's something that's happened are you struggling with what's going on which is right right now everyone's struggling in some way no one's immune to what's happening right now um and you're not alone i think that needs to be put out there as well like please do reach out to someone if you are struggling don't try to try to hide being human exactly like (laughs) it just keeps coming back to that at the end of the day we're human not robots and especially for women like we're supposed to have more body fat than men remember that stop trying to be lean stop looking at the girl on instagram that is super lean and getting thousands of likes on every picture and living the dream because there's a difference between being like thin you know quotations or skinny um or aesthetically pleasing versus actually healthy um, and i just think the ideal image of what is healthy for probably both men and women needs to change and hopefully we'll get it there one of these days i think there's accounts like yourself and i think there's other accounts and other ladies uh like alex london was on the podcast who's big over in the uk and the the impact that kind of message is putting out has to be hopefully we'll go to that level um yeah. of kind of body confidence i think it needs to kind of like if your feed is triggering you curate your feed or mute your feed I know people are looking at the phones a hell of a lot more. Look at your look at your look at your screen time. When people say they have no time to do anything, I always kind of say, "All right, look at your screen time." They're like four hours. I'm like, "Just go out for a walk, please. Just go out for a walk." Without the phone, like, yeah, like, around you, yeah. Well, obviously, listen to this podcast first, but with them without the phone, <laughs> yeah, like just pop in the earphones, just don't look at the screen. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Stick yeah. on airplane mode. Download first. Um, <laughs> You're right about the body confidence thing as well. Sorry, I know we're we're cutting it um, long on time now. But like body confidence, body positivity, two totally different movements. Yeah. Body positivity, I think, can be extremely toxic because you're not supposed to feel 
positive about your body every single day and that is okay too much positivity is just as toxic at all as all the like calorie tracking and lean talk that we're going on about it's building body confidence is more so what I and you too I think would strive for our clients to feel not necessarily just always pushing body positivity because those days come and go but if you develop a certain level of confidence in yourself that will always remain one hundred percent. I'm delighted you've kind of like broken up the difference between the two. I kind of kind of compare body positivity to, is to living with minions all the time. That you can only so so much of those little feckers you can take. They're amazing in small doses, but like there are days where you're gonna be like you're gonna catch yourself in a certain light. You're it's days where you've potentially had a little bit more food the night before you had a take or you had a few more drinks or whatever. There's gonna be days where you're not gonna be feel amazing, but it's about catching yourself and saying right. Am I tired? Am I stressed? Am I hormonal? Am I on my cycle or whatever it may be? And for lads, it's just like saying, just pausing and saying, right, this is just from something that I've done or else this is just one day. This is temporary. And then you'll, you'll be lean. You'll be probably lean the next morning. Like you'll be leaner or you'll be less bloated the next morning. But it's about recognizing that the stresses that you're, you're or the stresses that you're putting on your body now could be harmful to your body going forward. Natalie, I could literally talk all day. <laughs> I mean, it is about 14 episodes of this. Um, but where can people work with yourself? Where can people find out about what's coming up next for you? Yeah, so listen, Instagram is my main platform, I suppose. That is at Natalie Lennon underscore. And my parents were awkward and put a H in my name. So there's that. And then I launched a, a new website recently as well. I launched new workout programs. Um, so that's literally just like a downloadable guide um it's not I don't have a Facebook group or anything but I do have like an exercise library there for people I wanted to create something that was sustainable um a routine that was sustainable after years of me doing exercise which wasn't so it's not gym based it's not too heavy and then hopefully I'll be bringing more to that website soon I have some nice recipes and stuff there as well so that's nlf.ie if you want to check that out um and that's the main spaces that you're going to find me on at the minute I'd say TikTok, but I feel like I'm just in a hole there at the moment and I probably won't post for another year now after the next week. <laughs> Interesting to see how the comments have gone since we went on it before the, before the podcast. Uh, but Nathalie, thank you so much for, for coming on. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me, Shane. I really appreciate it. Guys, if you've enjoyed the episode and you've learned something from that, because there's so much in that episode and I think it's hugely important that if you've taken anything from that, it is to kind of listen to your body. It's not an ornament. I think that it like fats are good and not to be fearful of them, but also to kind of actually give yourself the acknowledgement that you are human. And it's about acknowledging that as well. But guys, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do tag us up on your story. Please do leave a review up on iTunes. Let's get this podcast to number one. It's been at number two now for the last four weeks and it's driving me bloody scat. Uh, so thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you.